Well, hello there, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thanks so much for taking a little bit of time to spend with us this week, whether it's a download or a view. We appreciate the fact that you are here. You know, it was not all that long ago that plant-based dermatologist Dr. Niyati Sharma was on the show talking all about how what we eat affects our skin. The way that we look causes those pesky blemishes. And you guys had so many questions after that. We got bombarded with questions. We had to do a follow-up episode just so that we could tackle as many of those as possible. You guys literally blew us up on Twitter and on Instagram, at Chuck Carroll WLC and at PCRM. And so what we're going to do is take almost the full next hour to get to as many of those questions as possible. And before we get going... You guys also need to know that you literally willed this show to happen. You willed it to happen because less than 24 hours after taping this, Dr. Sharma hopped on a plane and flew all the way back to her home in Australia. She had been here in the States for two years studying at Johns Hopkins, but she wasn't going to go back home. She wasn't going to move back home until she recorded this episode because you guys wanted her back on the show. So here's what we're going to find out today. If you like chocolate, you are going to get the answer that you have been longing for. Can chocolate really cause acne? Then say you love a good cup of coffee, but you worry that that coffee is bad for your skin. We're going to find out the truth there. And also we're going to hear what sugar really does to the epidermis. And we have talked a lot about dairy on this show, but we haven't yet talked about how milk affects the skin. That is, until now. Dr. Sharma also is going to have tips on psoriasis. And one of the most interesting questions that I thought came from a listener, she emailed because she's eating a plant-based diet but still has oily skin. And she wants to know what's the deal there. And of course, what should we be eating to stay looking young? What foods fight those wrinkles? So we're going to find out all those answers in just a little bit. But before we get going on that, what a week it's been for vegan athletes. I mean, seriously, what a week. Formula One driver Lewis Hamilton, he likes to go fast. And he took home the checkered flag at the British Grand Prix. Now, let me tell you why I like this guy, okay? Let me tell you why I'm a fan of Lewis Hamilton. He is a huge proponent of plant-based diets. He talks about them all the time. And he gave an interview not that long ago where he was asked about getting protein in his diet. Of course he was, right? What vegan hasn't been asked, where do you get your protein from? Now, some people get fired up because we get asked this all the time, but not Lewis Hamilton. Cool as a cucumber. He says, quote, I have plenty of protein in my diet and I've gained muscle and I'm healthier and happier than I've ever been. I wish I did it sooner. Hmm. And just a few hours after Lewis Hamilton raced his way to victory, what an epic marathon of a match we had at Wimbledon where Novak Djokovic outlasted Roger Federer in a championship final for the ages. 
It was his fifth Wimbledon title and 16th Grand Slam overall. Oh, by the way, Djokovic, he is a plant-based tennis phenom. And how did he celebrate this, this epic battle? How did he celebrate this victory? Well, he dropped to his knees and he plucked a few blades of grass off the court and he had himself a little snack. Seriously, I guess that counts as leafy greens, right? (laughs) And if that wasn't enough, if that wasn't enough, of course, a big congratulations to Alex Morgan and the U.S. national women's soccer team for defending their title at the World Cup in France. Morgan, of course, plant-based and is also one of the faces of that team. She also won this year's ESPY award for best female athlete. So with the spotlight shining so brightly on all of these superstar athletes, we're going to revisit an interview that I did with our own Dr. Jim Loomis and dietitian Susan Levin, who co-authored a review looking at the link between food and athletic performance. And their findings, what they discovered, point to some of the strongest links yet to plant-based diets and recovery for athletes. But you don't have to take their word for it. Just ask Lewis Hamilton and Novak Djokovic or Alex Morgan. Actually, you can ask Dr. Loomis, too, because he's going to be doing a grueling triathlon in just a couple of weeks. And that man, he takes his training seriously. Have you reserved your seat for the International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine yet? Hundreds of leading researchers in the field of nutrition will be converging on the Grand Hyatt Hotel right here in beautiful Washington, D.C., and we want you to be there as well. You'll learn all about the latest findings in the world of diets, and you'll discover how you can improve and in some cases fully reverse heart disease, diabetes, and other chronic ailments just by changing up what's on your plate. Now, when I say the leading researchers in nutrition are going to be there, that is exactly what I mean. The lineup of speakers includes Dr. Neil Barnard, esteemed cardiologist Dr. Robert Osfeld, Dr. Lee Frame, our own Dr. Hannah Kaliova, Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams. Now, he is revolutionizing the way that millions of New Yorkers look at their own health. And Dr. Dean Ornish, who developed a program for reversing heart disease and also authored the book, Eat More, Weigh Less, he's going to be honored along with President Adams at a very special dinner Friday night. Now, everything begins Thursday, July 25th with a day of plant-based basics. And then the conference progresses into the advanced course on July 26th and 27th, where we're going to explore the new science behind diets and kidney disease, heart disease, Alzheimer's disease, and the role of saturated fat and cardiometabolic disease, plus the future of gut microbiome research. That's always fascinating. We had Dr. Frame on the show earlier this year to talk about that presentation, gave us a little bit of a preview, and it is really just mind-blowing. And for doctors and for nutritionists, you will also have the opportunity to learn how to implement these findings into your own practice. And while you're there, by the way, you're going to get some continuing education credits as well. And if you're not a doctor, if you're not a practitioner, no worries. You are going to soak up that information and you're going to leave there feeling powerful 
empowered, empowered. You're going to feel energized. You're going to feel inspired and you're going to feel stuffed because that food is amazing. And if that wasn't enough, we're also going to be taping live episodes of the exam room podcast all conference long. So sign up right now at pcrm.org slash ICNM. And if you use the special promo code NutritionRx, you're going to save 20% off the cost of registration. That's promo code NutritionRx to save 20%. Really excited about this next segment here on the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Man, you know, when we did the episode on skincare and the link with the diet and how's your epidermis doing, I mean, this thing just blew up. And then when we asked you guys, the Exam Room listeners, for questions, some follow-up, what didn't we touch on in this episode? Our Instagrams literally blew up. And I use that word plural because I got a lot of messages. The physician's committee got a lot of messages. And I know that the plant-based dermatologist with a nutrition degree from Johns Hopkins University, you know her. She is at Dr. Underscore Vegan on Instagram. She is all the way from Australia. Dr. Niati Sharma, I know that you got a lot of responses as well, right? I did. I did. Thank you so much for everyone that messaged me. I'm still getting through all my messages, um, but I wanted to say thank Thank you for showing me all the love um, that you have, and I hope that I can continue to help you um, with any questions that you may have about your skin. She's not kidding. Uh, she is very passionate about this. The conversations that you and I have had before mm -hmm. we started taping here, it is clear that this is this is your jam. Like you love doing this, and you I are, love skin. Yeah, <laughs> and you love getting questions from people. You know? Oh yeah, that's how I learn too. I mean, I don't know everything, but. Getting questions means that I have to think about um, what's going on with the skin, how diet's related. So please, please, please keep sending me those questions. And, and the, you know, more and more research is being done mm -hmm. on, on this connection. So, I mean, there's always going to be something to learn. Always. And, you know, it affects everyone. It doesn't, you know, it can affect a baby. It can affect an old person. It can affect middle age, adolescents. So everyone gets affected somewhere along the way through their skin. So um, I think that's why everyone's so excited and interested to know, can my diet have an effect on my skin? Well, let's field some questions about the diet and the sure. skin because we got a ton of feedback. Uh, we'll start one here from my Instagram, at Chuck Carroll WLC. As always, Carol with two R's, two L's, the WLC standing for Weight Loss Champion. A woman by the name of Miranda writes in. She says, I've been eating a whole food plant-based diet with no oil for about three months now, and my skin is still so oily as it was before. What can I do to make my face not so oily other than wash it twice a day? So a very good question. Um, it has a lot of components to it. So it's not just diet related, unfortunately, in this case. Um, oily skin is a genetic predisposition, um, but it also depends on what you put on the skin. So if you're putting anything greasy, oily, even if it's a sunscreen that has oil in it, it can definitely make it worse. Um, so some people are definitely predisposed to having oily skin. If you're if it's out of control and you're really concerned from a cosmetic point of view, I would recommend seeing a dermatologist because they have vitamin A tablets that can certainly decrease the amount of oil secretions. And I definitely have patients um, that have wanted to do that in the past. From a diet point of view, I think you're doing a great job. But um, like I said, it's got no effect 
the oil secretion has no effect from the diet we're eating. Um, obviously, as much as you can eat a low-fat diet, um, that may help, but um, there is definitely no studies on that. Switching gears, this one is from a mom. She writes in, she says, my three-year-old son has eczema along with allergies and asthma. She says, he's always eaten a lot of dairy products, and I've read that eczema can be a result of dairy intake. Would taking dairy out of his diet actually help his condition? So what's really interesting, Chuck, is that um, this child has atopic disease. So atopic component is asthma, hay fever, and eczema. Basically, he's got everything that you can get from that genetic condition. So um, dairy increases mucosal secretions. So when eliminating dairy, you do a lot of things. One is that you decrease in mucosal secretions. That's definitely going to help with asthma. It's going to help with hay fever. And then dairy has a lot of inflammatory growth factors, um, sorry, insulin growth factor one within it. We talked a lot about that in the original podcast, and that can have an effect on the skin in terms of causing inflammation. So Mm -hmm. we're trying to do anything and everything we can from a skin point of view to reduce the inflammation. So that also includes other animal products um, that certainly cause that. Um, it's called an AGE process, so advanced glycolization end products. That's age. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they sort of trigger this uh, inflammation response within the epidermis. Um, in terms of studies, there aren't many studies on eczema, but there is hundreds of studies looking at diet and asthma. And we know asthma and eczema are related, so we can definitely make some inferences from that. There's been large case studies as well as some studies from Sweden where they looked at very severe asthma cases, and they went on a plant-based diet for one year. So they had to go on one-year basis. But these people were on the most amount of asthma medications possible. So they were on eight inhalers. They were on cortisone, which is a steroid. um, And nothing was helping them, but they were staying status quo. As soon as they went on a plant-based diet, it did take a while, but after a year, most of them had significant improvements. Uh, About 90% by the end of the year had some improvement in their asthma outcomes. Now, that's significant given that these guys were at the, you know, they had as maxed out all their treatments. Yeah. So for them to get an improvement was amazing. Wow. So we can then say, and I definitely recommend this to my patients, that um, especially in kids, it's very hard to give them, you know, kids want a lot of lollies and um, lollies or candies that we say here in in the States. Lollipops. (laughs) That's it. So uh, you want to try and reduce some of that sugar intake in kids too, because as we know, sugar also causes inflammation. So lots of things to do, but even in kids, we do have to try and think about eliminating dairy, remembering that you do not need dairy after you wean off from your mother's breast milk. All right, follow-up. Let's translate. I, we, we do have some Australian listeners who will know this answer, but for us who are stateside, does lolly, uh, can that mean any candy, or is that specifically a lollipop? No. So it means any candy minus chocolate. Aha. Yep. <laughs> any candy in any form. Any form, just not chocolate, because chocolate is chocolate. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's okay. confusing, isn't it? <laughs> so chocolate has its own category. It does. I mean, you know, it deserves it. It's a different – it's a plant. So would you say that you have a lolly bar as opposed to a candy bar? Like how does this oh, work? no. We would say chocolate bar maybe. Uh-huh. But what if it's like a, 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 a candy bar that does not have chocolate? Oh, well, right? we call it by its name. So like Redskins or like Twi- – I don't know actually. That's a really good question. 
Huh. I don't eat it, so I don't know. <laughs> right on. Okay, I was just curious. I was like, "All right, well, let's let's talk language." Yeah, you're right. No particular reason. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's talk about the language of Java. A lot of people wrote in, and they were asking, "What is the effect of coffee? What is the effect mm-hmm. of caffeine on yeah. the skin?" So I was very curious about this because, from a um, from medical um, research, there's absolutely no indication that coffee causes acne or it causes. Um, uh, problems with their skin. But I did end up looking at a lot of blogs because I was curious what, what's going out there, what people are writing about. Um, and some interesting ideas were put out that, you know, coffee causes stress, uh, increases stress hormones, and that can in turn have an effect on your skin, which also means, you know, increasing your risk of acne. Again, there is absolutely no studies. I have done a good literature search on this. Um, So there's no good studies that have showed any effect on caffeine with um, skin. Now, having said that, you know, coffee is dehydrating. Yeah. And depends on how many you drink. I mean, I've had patients that drink 20 cups of coffee. So, you know, you're going to have problems with your skin. You're going to be dehydrated. We want to be nice and plump in the epidermis. So you want to be hydrated exactly 20 cups Mm -hmm. i'm hoping that it's black coffee and not some sort of macchiato or latte that has a ton of calories oh some you have no some people i don't know how they get through the day i don't know how they survive actually but i can't get past one coffee a day and that's it and a small australian sized coffee cup (laughs) i mean like at my worst i had to cut coffee out of my diet because i liked it too much yeah not to the tune of 20 cups a day but i was at six and yeah i was like that is a lot and i could actually like unrelated to the skin but i could almost feel it like coursing through my veins at that point so if you have 20 cups man it's like and imagine if you're having that with dairy milk like wow i know right (laughs) so i mean you have to look at what you put in coffee and I'll just put a little note. So there was an interesting um, research done through the food journal. um, So like more technical, not a medical journal. And they found that the coffee drinkers need sugar because it triggers something in their taste buds and the brain signals so that every coffee drinker has to eat more donuts or more sugary things as a, as a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. So I know when I cut down coffee, I, my sweet tooth disappeared. So it's interesting. I mean, coffee has other effects with it. People also smoke when they're drinking coffee. So you have to see, are you drinking coffee on your own, on its own as a black? Are you drinking only one a day? So that should be fine if you're drinking 20 or with a lot of milk or a lot of sugar or eating donuts with it. Of course, it's going to have an effect on right. your skin, right? right so, right. yeah. All right. So you, you just kind of mentioned that coffee and sweet connection. I mean, chocolate mm. and coffee are kind of synonymous with oh, one another. Yeah. We got so many people writing in uh, to us asking about that specifically at Physicians Committee on Instagram, how does chocolate affect the skin and can it cause acne? Uh, Short answer is yes, it can cause acne, but I'll tell you why. So most chocolate, if you look at the ingredients, has milk in it, so milk solids, and it has sugar in it too. So you need to be mindful of the type of chocolate you're eating because uh, as you remember me telling you last time that dairy and sugar doesn't work for acne, Mm. you know? So uh, my choice, of course, being vegan is I eat non-dairy chocolate and I try and eat as dark as I can. I mean, I can't get to 90%, but I can definitely get to 80% chocolate. Um, So they have less sugar in them themselves, but everything... I don't like using this word too much, but try and do it in moderation. I mean, if you eat five blocks of chocolate a day, it's not going to help you. Right, right. (laughs) You know? But 
eat chocolate. We, we, no one should be deprived of this amazing plant that, you know, has so many antioxidant properties. Um, in fact, I was lucky to go to Costa Rica and, you know, go through the whole eating the actual nibs of the cacao bean. Yeah. And they're tasty and they have high amount of antioxidants. So I'm not going to, you know, this is a plant and we need to respect it. So do, do those actually taste like the chocolate that we're familiar with? Or? It tastes like a, so there's an outer layer that tastes like a candy. It's like really slippery and slimy and then white. And it literally tastes like bubblegum candy. Whoa. And then inside is this nib and like a, a, like a large nut size, you know, walnut size nib. And it's really bitter. So, but it, it was delicious. It kind of balances yeah. with the sweet yeah. outer shell and then that bitterness yeah. inside. Exactly. That kind of makes me want yeah. to go fly. I'm not even a chocolate guy. I'm just curious. Um, so to your point about the dairy and the sugar being the big mm-hmm. offenders in chocolate, if you're using cacao powder, just straight up cacao powder, mm-hmm. and you're putting that in a smoothie with no added sugar other than the natural fruit in there, you're good to go. So funny enough you say that because... Every patient that comes to see me who has acne, I give them my own smoothie recipe, and it definitely has cacao in it because cacao has high levels of antioxidants, plus it makes everything taste so good. Mm -hmm. So you definitely want to have that in your diet. Um, The other thing I just wanted to say was the fat content. So uh, we didn't touch a lot about this in the last podcast, but... um, Obviously, chocolate's going to have cacao butter in it, which is fat. So you want to limit, you know, limit the amount of fat you're eating when you've got acne. So, and that uh, I think someone in my Instagram made that point uh, about it, which I appreciate that. Um, when we go into a plant-based diet, we try and eat sort of avocados and seeds and nuts um, and soy milk. And a lot of these things have high fat content, we don't realize. Yeah. So if you do suffer from acne, I would also think about, you know, l- look at how much you're actually consuming of those and try and reduce them. Interesting. Yeah. All right. All right. Moving right along. Uh, this one is, I mean, heck, as we record this, we are in the thick of beach season uh (laughs) somebody writes in if you're in the sun a lot what foods are best so i guess they're looking to protect the skin from harmful uv rays antioxidants is number one so um funny enough green tea has has been shown to have an effect on improving uh, the harmful effects of UVR or ultraviolet radiation on your skin. Just so happens I happen to know of a (laughs) fantastic green tea for you to try. Uh, Oh, that's great. Let's do it. Serenity. That's it. Um, So green tea, I would say drink lots and lots of it. It does have caffeine, so please don't, like, tell me. uh, Please don't... um, Worry about the caffeine content because of the antioxidants. But yes, it does have caffeine, so don't drink it too late at night. Um, and other things related, more so is what you put on your face. I would definitely mm. recommend sunscreen. Please put on that sunscreen because nothing else works as well um, as having a regular you know, application of sunscreen. Let me tell you something. And hats. I, w- I was at the beach with mm-hmm. my wife this past weekend. All right. Let nice. me tell you something. If I'm out there for more than five minutes, I burst into flames. All right. Yeah. So I've got SPF 100, which I know Amazing. is kind of like, you know, the god of sunscreens, plus an SPF protective shirt on top of that. And yep. I was under the umbrella. Didn't get a sunburn. That's it. I mean, I kind of 
I was that guy at the beach. I was that guy. <laughs> Meanwhile, my wife is just laying out there, you know, no protection whatsoever. She does not burn. She just tans. Uh-huh. And, I mean, she tells you she is good at two things in life. One, giving traffic reports. That's what she does for a living. And two, tanning. That is incredible, I, isn't it? But she, she's I don't still, understand it. I would still tell her to wear a bit of sunscreen on just for the aging effect, you know, reduce it. Um, but I also would say don't forget that Bob Marley had a melanoma in his nail, and that's how he died. So please protect yourself no matter what your skin tone. Right on. Mm-hmm. Right on. Uh, all right. Moving right <laughs> along. Uh, you just mentioned aging. So why uh-huh. don't we go to uh, another one from uh, at Physicians Committee. Somebody wrote in, are there any anti-aging foods? Um, it's Yeah. I mean, if you're eating a whole fruit plant-based diet, you're eating lots and lots of antioxidants. And, um, and that certainly has an effect. Plus, you're actually eliminating a lot of the sugar. And we talked about sugar causing aging last time, Chuck. So um, I would definitely ask you to... Listen to that again because I went through in detail about how that co- how aging is um, worsened with sugar, um, but also um, having a look at your environment. So you know, drinking alcohol ages you because it has also a lot of sugar content. Mm-hmm. Being around smokers or smoking yourself um, is definitely one of the worst things you can do for aging. So if you can avoid passive smoking and avoid smoking yourself, you're doing yourself a world of wonders. I mean, I can, I'm sure you can tell Chuck too from far away if someone's smoking. The the skin has this weathered look to it. it It's a unique look Mm -hmm. specific to smoking. Exactly. Yeah. So, but passive as well. We keep forgetting that passive smoking has just as bad effect on our skin. So, But eat lots of green leafy veggies. I can't tell you how important that is because they contain calcium and uh, magnesium and zinc, all the things that we need to have a good-looking skin. Um, Here we go. Let's mix things up a little bit. Um, What do we need to know when choosing a facial moisturizer? Currently using one with oil, she says. Mm -hmm. So I, being vegan, of course, I would say make sure you – Make sure it's cruelty-free and not tested on animals, number one. Um, but when you're choosing a facial moisturizer, it depends on, on your lifestyle. So if you're someone that is, you know, needs to get out of the house very quickly in the morning and you may not put get time to put the sunscreen on, I would highly recommend finding something with an SPF at least 30. I would not choose an SPF 15. A lot of um, facial moisturizers have a lot low content. of. Um, so I try and find um, sunscreens that suit my skin and feel like a moisturizer and don't give me that white sheen so I can use that on a regular basis. There's great brands out there like Kula, which is a um, cruelty-free vegan brand. Um, Paula's Choice has a lot of options on there as well. So I would try and do a bit of research on that. If you suffer from acne or rosacea, which is similar, I would try and look for the words non-comedogenic on the packaging, which means that they don't aggravate acne. Mm. Good to so know. those are the few things that I would look for. But yeah, those are my recommendations. And if you do have eczema, for example, then I would choose something that is fragrance-free. And the less moisturizers, the better. But it doesn't, if you choose an organic moisturizer, that's not always the best option, especially if you may be allergic to the grass or the plant that's they've used as an extract in the moisturizer. So be careful. You mentioned eczema a couple times there. Mm. A woman by the name of Dominique Detox writes in and says, does diet influence eczema? Yes. I mean, we touched base on that, that um, 
Dominic, in terms of eczema, it's related to asthma and hay fever and allergies. And uh, like I mentioned before, there are not many studies that have shown, unfortunately, uh, the effects of diet on eczema. We've got one maybe or two studies that have showed improvement. Um, but what's really interesting is asthma has got a lot of traction. So that's where we need to look at studies, mm. and they definitely show an improvement. So yes, for me, I always explain to my patients, especially really severe eczema, that they need to uh, reduce their anti, reduce the foods that cause inflammation, like sugar, um, obviously animal products, dairy, for example. Um, and I would also consider, if you're really desperate, look at gluten. But I don't always advise taking gluten out of your diet. So. If you were to do it, I would do it for three months, see if there's improvement. If there isn't, you go back to it. Um, here's an interesting one that somebody wrote in. They said that they didn't start suffering from acne until after they switched to a whole food plant-based diet without oil. So this is this yeah. one I thought was particularly interesting. Yeah, so it all depends. I mean, look, when we uh, – I was reading this really interesting um, paper once, and it's it talked about like if you're a long-term vegetarian like I have been my whole life – uh, before I turned vegan, the gut microbiome is so used to extracting all the nutrients from the plant-based foods that it's usually quite difficult when someone first turns, you know, changes their diet from, say, a heavy meat mm -hmm. or animal product diet into um, either vegetarian or vegan diet. So um, I certainly think that there's some effect on the gut microbiome. And we don't know a lot about the link between gut microbiome and skin microbiome, but the links are coming up. So for me, I think the beginning when you're changing your diet, you're going to have a lot of problems because your guts, the bacteria in your gut lining is trying to change. And um, so it may have an effect. But also, as I mentioned earlier, the we try and substitute when we first turn whole food plant-based diet, no oil, by having, you know, uh, avocados and seeds and nuts, something with high oil content or high fat content. So I would definitely recommend trying to limit that if you've got really bad skin, but not eliminating it. So these are things that you tune in with your body as you need. So if you've got acne, we'll look at, you know, maybe stopping it for a little while, but then going back to it because all these things have essential nutrients and that we need. So don't just take them out of your diet and that's it. Right, right. Yeah. Fine-tuning. Do the fine-tuning yourself. It is. Yes, exactly. And it's a little bit different for everyone, basically. Is that kind of what I'm understanding exactly. here? Exactly. And I can't give you a, a full... I mean, I suffer from... I'm a dermatologist, and I suffer from acne even till today. And I think... Confessions. I know. <laughs> and for me, it's like, okay, like right now I'm really stressed. I'm moving back to Australia, so um, I'm not sleeping well. I'm, you know... I haven't got my, you know, pots and pans, so I can't cook my normal types of foods. So, you know, you just have to see where, how your, your diet is at a certain point, how stressed you are. Are you sleeping okay? Are you drinking too much alcohol? Is it, are you dehydrating yourself? Are you drinking plenty of water? So um, there's so much related to skin. But at the end of the day, give yourself time, when, especially when you're changing to this diet. It's phenomenal, but it does have an effect initially where your body's trying to work out, oh, my God, what's going on? Wow, so yeah. stress can cause acne, huh? It definitely can. Wow. Yes. Stress, yes. man. Stress is just no good, Doc. Oh, um, I wish I had an anti-stress tablet. Oh, <laughs> Wouldn't man. that be nice? Oh, yeah. Um, all right. Well, so, there is Xanax, but... <laughs> not the show for that discussion. Yeah. Uh, all right, here's another one. Uh, somebody sent me, at Chuck Carroll WLC. 
Uh, she says, how can diet and lifestyle affect those with skin cancer? I'm 35 and experiencing some skin cancers this past year, and my dermatologist said they look more like a genetic type versus sun damage. What can I do to help with this? Okay, so I would want to know from her is, has she used the solarium at any point in her life? Because solarium has a certain type of uh, ultraviolet radiation that can perpetuate and expedite skin cancer. So we definitely see a higher risk of melanomas in younger people who've um, used the sun tanning salons. So I would want to know that, number one. Um, yes, if it's a genetic component, then she needs to be monitored. There's so many genetic conditions that can increase your risk of, of skin cancer, like Gorlin's disease, very rare, but still we see uh, plenty of that as a dermatologist. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's hard to know. I mean, sh- would you mind repeating the question again? Yeah, no problem. Yeah. She says, uh, how can diet and lifestyle affect skin cancer? She's 35, experiencing some skin cancers this past year. Yeah. Her dermatologist said that they look more genetic as opposed to having sun damage. What can she do? Okay. So, again, I can't stress enough um, about sunscreen. So, you've got to protect yourself. Depends on the type of skin cancer you've also had. You can have ones that are keratinocytes or ones that are due to melanoma. So, I obviously don't have that information. But regardless, sunscreen is very important. Wearing the uh, UV-protected clothing, especially when you're out on the beach, hats, suns- uh, sunglasses. In Australia, we have a term called slip, slop, slap. Um, so that is not American at all. No. Slip, slop, slap. <laughs> so slip on clothes that are sun protected. Slap on the sunscreen, and what did I say? Slip, slop, slap, and slap on the hat. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So that's our like campaigning we've had since the 1980s for sun protection. As you know, we have the highest rate of skin cancers. But also, what's interesting is green tea has been shown to have a reduction in the rates of skin cancer, but they don't. Over, you know, if you're not protecting your skin from the sun, it's not going to have an effect. These are just small additional improvements that you can get. But for her, I would definitely recommend regular skin checks. I can't stress that enough. Making sure she, um, you know, continually monitors that with the dermatologist because there's some skin cancers that are also related to gut problems, like uh, cancers in the gut. So not to scare her, but. I have very little information to go on. Um, But if you're worried about skin cancers, number one, sun protection and avoiding solariums. Well, let's let's stick on this topic. Not a listener question, but a Chuck question here. Mm -hmm. Um, When somebody is monitoring for spots on their skin, what should they be looking for? What's something that should raise that red flag? Great, great, great question. Um, So firstly, I recommend everyone do a self-skin check every three months so you come out of the shower try and look everywhere. People say, well, what am I looking for? Well, firstly, I just want you to get used to seeing your spots on the skin. Your brain gets so good at it that if something pops out of nowhere, it will make alert you for some reason. And then I like you to get someone at home that can help you look at your back and your backside and the back of your legs. These are areas that, you know, it's very difficult. And with smartphones, the great thing is you can start taking photos. So if you're worried about a spot, I I ask my patients always to take a photo, maybe with a coin next to it so we can monitor the size, Mm -hmm. and then to retake the photo again a month later. Now, what you're looking for is multiple things. So number one is if there was a spot before and it's suddenly changed, it's grown, you know, it's expanded or it's gotten thicker, um, that's a change. 
if it starts to bleed on its own, like you haven't scratched it, you haven't done anything, but it's bleeding, or it feels a bit sore, like a little bit painful. If you pinch it and it's painful, then you need to have it looked at immediately. Um, and then if you see a new spot come out that hasn't been there before, and it does all those same things, so it increases in size, gets elevated, it may change in color, um, it, it's painful or it's itchy, those are some things to look out for. But you won't know that unless you're doing your skin checks yourself. And a lot of people come and see me and they say, well, doctor, like, what's, you know, do I have a skin cancer? And I do skin checks all the time, but the people that come in with skin cancers have done skin checks before. Right. Most of them have done their own. And, you know, they've said, oh, I saw that spot yesterday and then, oh, I saw, uh, sorry, saw it two weeks ago. And in the two weeks, it's changed. Right. Now that's alarming, and you you get into a dermatologist immediately. You right, do not right. wait. Yeah, yeah, I I think I was brought up generally under the impression that if it's new and it's really dark, you need to go get that looked at straight away. It's, but it can be red. So what if it was a brown spot and it turned red all of a sudden, or if it was a, a dark spot and it's got white blebs in it or red spots in it? You know, if it changes and it looks like a horrible painting that someone's put together, you know. These are things that have changed. Now, I, you, you, yeah. Red spots. I have a couple of these on my body. That you, you would think like, okay, it's not a mole. It's just this random red spot. What is that? So those – I have one actually. Is, that, is it something like that? Something like that, yeah. yeah. So these are called Campbell de Morgan spots. They're a sign of you getting wiser, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hear it for IQ points. Um, so they will – you'll see more and more. Um, the lighter complexion you are, the more you're going to get them. So they're ends of capillaries that are get on the surface and they just sort of show off basically at the surface of the skin. But you'll get more and more as you get wiser. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, mm -hmm. look out, world. But if something comes up, for example, they say stable and then all of a sudden, you know, overnight or within two weeks, you go, oh, that spot's gotten bigger. It looks yeah. like a pimple, but it's not going away need to see someone and they last right like they they don't go away they don't you can get laser but i mean who, why? why like uh, it doesn't uh, do it's anything cool to look at it's like oh yeah. white thigh oh red spot you know it's a nice <laughs> contrast um yeah it's such a nice shade of red too I uh, know. speaking of red rosacea uh, -huh. uh somebody wrote in uh, on my facebook page she said i'm wondering about rosacea i've cured my psoriasis by eliminating animal products but the rosacea persists i would love it if dr sharma had some advice for me Oh, I love rosacea because it's in the same... <laughs> Who doesn't love rosacea except for the woman who's trying to get rid of it? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I love it because there's so many elements to rosacea. Now, firstly, it's in the family of acne. So um, you can have multiple types of rosacea. You can have just flushing, you can just have redness, or you can have pimple type of rosacea. Or men get this horrible type um, where you actually have growth of your nose. I've seen that. Yeah, it's called rhinophyma. So every element, so everything I've described has different treatment options. If you've got the pimple type of um, rosacea, so we call that acne rosacea, then you have to do everything that I've discussed about acne. So eliminating, you know, dairy, and I know that you've done that, um, reducing the amount of sugar, reducing the amount of fat content in your diet, um, making sure you don't put anything oily on your face. That includes sunscreen. Um, so everything that's non-comedogenic. Um, and then also, I would also make sure that you're not overdoing B12 because actually B12 causes acne. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, 
So, and then making sure all your nutrients are up to date. So that also includes iron. So you need to have a good level of iron. If you have just redness, then you have to look at what causes that redness. Is it, um, you know, going out in the wind, out in the sun without sunscreen on? Uh, Those are things that um, you need to protect yourself from. And then um, making using makeup that can help. But from a diet point of view, you're not going to change much mm-hmm. when you've just got redness. Mm-hmm. If you've got flushing, then yeah. So a lot of alcohol, especially red wine, has um, preservatives that give you flushing. Oh, is that what that is? Yes. Yeah, so you need to stop that if that's what's causing you. Um, and then... That's it for me. Rhinophyma, which is that thick, diff, you know, thickened nose. Unfortunately, no diet can help that. So you need to have laser removal, you know, of that. Um, okay. Well, let's let's yeah. talk about B12 because I know somebody also wrote in and asked, uh, can B12 cause acne? Mm-hmm. If you so B12 is a water soluble nutrient, so it means you can never do too much of it because you'll pee it out basically. But um, I. Uh, so one study looked at B12 and the effects it has on acne, and yes, it induces it. And the way that it does it is it uses – so B, the bacteria that's on our skin causing acne, it's called P-acnes. Mm-hmm. When B12 is in the picture, it stimulates P-acnes to produce a chemical called porphyrins. And porphyrins induces inflammation. So it's like a vicious cycle where one thing is causing an effect on the other and it continues to occur. So for some people, yes, overdoing on B12, even though you pee it out so you're not going to have major effects on your body, can induce acne. And that was just one component of B12. There's, they think that maybe there are other reasons why B12 causes um, acne or makes it worse. Right. But they haven't yet figured that out. The thing is, and, and this is a discussion that I recently had with Dr. Barnard, is that we really do not need a whole lot of B12. But Mm-mm. the supplements that we take, I mean, these things, you know, if we need like uh, just such a minuscule amount of the 500 milligrams that are in this. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was telling him the story of um, before I knew better, I was taking a B12 a supplement every single day when I first went plant-based and I had my levels check and they were just like off the charts high and mm-hmm. the doctor kind of laughed he's like well you know you're not at any risk for anything sinister here but mm-hmm. you know like you don't need to take that every day right no and then like if you do get b12 deficiency which is sort of rare these days I mean yes your b12 is generally getting deficient in the soils um but You'll get tingling in your fingers and in your feet. So it's like a glove stocking distribution of tingling and, mm. and, and numbness. So, you know, if it's really bad, please see it. You know, obviously get your levels checked every year, but yeah. uh, you will start to feel symptoms of it. So you're not going to die of B12 deficiency. The body will tell you you're deficient. Let's talk about a different kind of acne, uh, hormonal acne. Dr. Bronner, by the way, has a book coming out all about hormones and the effect that they have on the body and relation to diet. So that's coming out next February, and I suspect that this question will be tackled in there, but let's not wait until February. (laughs) Uh, This one is from Facebook. Uh, Stephanie writes in, can hormonal acne be affected the same way with dietary changes as other forms of acne? Oh, absolutely. So we talked about it a lot because um, dairy is a form of hormones, actually. So you're drinking um, hormones from the the cow. So it's going to have an effect. And we talked about the mechanism of insulin growth factor one that then changes the axis of insulin uh, in your body. So um, it can then 
increase your androgens hormones uh, secretion mm-hmm. and uh, so then you get more you, you know you can get more risk of boldness and and even though that's not been properly documented yet but acne as well now when you've got hormonal acne it depends on the type so if you have polycystic ovary syndrome then Diet will help because one of the things about plant-based diet is you maintain a healthy weight range. And usually um, those that suffer from PCOS have, you know, central obesity. They tend to have pre-diabetic or they become diabetic. They have a lot of other uh, related health problems. So that's going to help in turn. And then you're regulating your hormones a little bit better. But of course, you're still going to have surges in your normal menstrual cycle Mm -hmm. that are going to cause the acne, but it won't be as bad. I mean, if you weren't... If you weren't getting a one or two spots before premenstrually, then it's it's unusual. I mean, most females will get something before their periods. So, um, but yes, having a plant-based diet reduces the amount of hormones that you're ingesting from animal products, and hence having an improvement. Also, sleeping well, reducing the stress, reducing alcohol intake, reducing fat content, all those help as well. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that because somebody wrote in specifically and say that they only get bad breakouts during PMS, even though they eat that clean, whole food, plant-based diet. Yeah. So I'm interested in this person if they've had their hormones checked. So are they on the pill um, or not on the oral contraceptive pill or some sort of contraceptive um because, you know, you could have Marina in and that can really have an effect on your skin. Mm-hmm. For some people, it really gives them a breakout of mm-hmm. acne. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely something you need to look at. Um, and would you mind repeating the question? She said, I have uh, get pretty bad breakouts during PMS. I eat pretty clean, whole food, plant-based diet. Yeah. Help, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm very curious. I want to know what your hormone levels are. Have you had them checked without being on any oral contraceptive pill? Because there are things like endometriosis, PCOS, like we discussed, that sometimes get undiagnosed. So mm-hmm. when, whenever I get a patient that's got severe um, uh, acne during their periods, I always check their hormone levels because I do want to eliminate that those um, conditions from their diet, uh, from their um, uh, disease profile. Um, and then, yes, I would still do the same thing. Try and reduce the fat content in your food um, and then the sugar because we all crave sugar during our periods. So reducing some of that. Um, and then sleep, trying to get good amount of sleep, making sure you're not in pain because that affects our sleep cycle. Um, but if, if she wants more information, she's, you're more than welcome to send me a, a message on Instagram and I'll try and um, have a personal consultation because it's a hard one to you know, have a general comment on uh, right. not knowing some of the background history. Right, right. And you're at yeah. Dr. Underscore Vegan. Yes. Uh, so I'll make sure that you get this person's username. Maybe you can actually be proactive and reach out to her. Sure, sure, sure she, I can. You know, yeah, absolutely. Really that. Um, this next question, I feel like we've already tackled half of it does dairy really cause inflammation and acne of course uh but what about gluten they were also asking about gluten yeah so i i gluten so gluten is an interesting one um it depends on the type of skin are they particularly talking about just acne or they're talking about just generally inflammation and acne okay no specifics other than that so um when we look at um psoriasis so psoriasis is a classic example and in fact there was a recent 
uh, paper that was published uh, looking at gluten with psoriasis. So if not, uh, for people who don't know what psoriasis is, it's a thick plaque, red, um, scaly plaques that you get all over your body or you can just get it in your scalp or you can get it in your nails. Um, and they found that out of the 1,200 people that they observed, uh, 51%, so you know, half of them, got improvement in their condition and their psoriasis appearance by eliminating dairy, even uh, sorry, eliminating gluten out of their diet, even if they weren't celiac. Hmm. So there is some mechanism they think between the antibodies of gluten having an effect in the skin. So I've had a lot of patients say to me, taking dairy, taking dairy and gluten out of their diet for psoriasis has had an improvement. But when you're looking at acne specifically, there is no study showing the effect of gluten and acne at all. Hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, glu- that's that's such a hot topic right now. You know, oh. gluten free this, gluten free that. Don't go gluten-free unless you really have to if you're getting symptoms because then you're eliminating a lot of the grains that we need to eat in our diet. So I recommend having as much of it as possible unless you're suffering from severe psoriasis, then look into being gluten-free. But there's so much that we don't know. So things are coming out. And I remember um, Dr. Robin Chukan, who's one of the plant-based gastroenterologists, talk about how the molecule of gluten has been changed in farming. So maybe that's had an effect in the last 50 years on our bodies. And for me, certainly, personally, I can't tolerate too much gluten in my diet. So if I have an option to be gluten-free, I try and do that because I get bloated and I don't feel as great. But I can go to Italy and have as much pastas and pizzas there without having a problem. And it's probably the durum wheat that they use. And, you know, interesting fact, they don't import any wheat from either Australia or America. So uh, I don't know if it's to do with that gluten molecule. I don't know. <laughs> I say to be continued on that yeah, one. Yeah. That's, that's a deep dive right there I wasn't mm-hmm. prepared to make today. <laughs> All right. Uh, just a couple more here. Um Here's another one. Uh, I stopped using birth control pills, and now my skin has been breaking out like crazy. Help me, please. Take some time. I don't know how long you've been off the pill, um, but I would wait because your body needs to adjust to the its own levels of hormones. Don't forget that when we take hormones, our n- naturally our body stops make, producing them in the amounts that is normally required. So it's going to take some time to adjust till your estrogen is back up. Um, and we know that estrogen is protective against acne. So it's the progesterone that induces acne and estrogen that helps it. So your levels are just probably not quite um, balanced yet. So give it some time. Um, But in the meantime, don't despair. You can do a lot of things for your skin. So please see a dermatologist if you're really concerned. You can get topical treatments uh, and then you can get um, tablets as well. And make sure you're also using a non-comedogenic sunscreen or moisturizer on your face. Try not to touch your face a lot. Don't squeeze the pimples um, because that gives you scarring. Yeah. Which we, I know we've all done it, but I, I can definitely tell when someone comes in and they've squeezed most it's of it. It's so hard to you resist. Know. I know, it's right? It's just sitting there. <laughs> Especially if you've got one right in the center of your nose and you've got an interview or something, you know, it's well, like, know. yeah. So please, please don't do it. And as an adolescent, if you're a teenager out there listening, don't do it because you'll get scars. Until now, we don't have any great lasers to improve your scar outcomes. So So other than just wait it out, is there anything anybody can do? 
So um, I've had so you can make sure that your iron, your zinc um, are all you know levels have been checked, and make sure you are taking iron supplement because if you're uh, off the pill, you may start getting more heavy periods, so you can lose iron that way. Um, I would also make sure your zinc. Um, levels are good. Your selenium levels are good. So it's selenium, S-E-L-E-N-I-U-M. Um, those are things that help to keep your skin nice and uh, healed up. So check those. Those are not zinc and selenium. Unfortunately, the blood levels aren't great to test because there's no reflection really. So if you're worried, I would take one zinc tablet a, a week okay. and see if there's improvement. There's no harm with zinc except that you must take it with food because it can cause a bit of nausea. And check your iron levels. That definitely you need to replace. Make sure you're not overdoing the B12. But what if, <laughs> say, somebody has a hot date that night okay. and they've got a Big old pimple right square oh. in the middle of the forehead. I mean, this thing looks like a landing light, and it is blinking. It is ginormous. Is there anything in the world that can possibly be done to help this person? You got to go and get yourself a nice concealer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there's absolutely nothing. I please don't squeeze it and try and pop it because oh my god, you're at risk of getting a scar, and then you're not going to like it because it's permanent. So, but get yourself a nice concealer, uh, get the hair down, cover it up. Yep. You know, find creative ways. Wear a bandana, put on a hat. I don't. I mean. Yeah, but don't squeeze says, it. Nothing yeah. says sexy first date like a bandana. The thing you can do now, though, which is great about acne, if you've got really mild acne, and I think there was a question about this, is there is a um, a cream called Differin, D-I-F-F-E-R-I-N, um, but its generic name is Adapalene. It's a gel that you can get from Amazon, so you don't need a prescription, and you apply it at nighttime. You a small amount, so it's a pea, size of a pea is all you need to apply it to the whole face. And when you start off, you only do it three times a week, and then you can build it up slowly to up to five times a week. I would recommend still, you know, being under the care of a dermatologist when you're doing that because some people get an allergic response to this mm -hmm, medication. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's safe enough to be on Amazon. So um, it's one that has vitamin A in it, and so it's a good way of um, reducing the appearance of your acne. Gotcha. Yeah. It, that's good that you bring that up because a mother wrote in and said that her 12-year-old had been described, uh, prescribed different yes. uh, for acne. Is it okay to Completely take? safe. Um, you know, 12-year-old teenagers, it's hard to make sure they're compliant with topical treatment. Um, but if they're really motivated, it's a great step to start with because I'm not a big fan of antibiotics. So um, I, I, I rather like topical treatment or going, uh, you know, if you need to, of course, you will need antibiotics. But I, I prefer topicals over. All right. Um, what? One one more before I have you uh, list some brands because I know that a number of people asked and, and wanted to know about specific brands. But here's mm -hmm. a big one. Uh, what is the best way through diet to look young and wrinkle-free? Uh, great question because, I mean, there is so many things you can do. So I would say be sugar-free. Uh, because that increases the risk of aging. Take some flax seeds, one and a half teaspoons a day, whether put it on a porridge, put it in your glass of, you know, plant-based milk. Uh, whatever you do, try and do that because that improves your skin appearance. Lots and lots of water. Hydration is key. Um, you know, things like juicing. If you're juicing celery, great, go for it because that's hydration. So that really helps. Sunscreen, 
can't stress enough about sunscreen. Um, if you drive long distances, make sure you've got um, tinted car windows because you're protecting yourself again from the UVR. Um, and then el- trying to limit how much alcohol you drink um, because that dehydrates you, limit your caffeine intake, and then stay away from smoking mm. after and smokers. <laughs> nice. There you go. Yeah. So basically what you just said is behave yourself and wear sunscreen. <laughs> um, all right. It. And uh, last question uh, before we let you go. Uh, can you give us some of the best brands that we should be looking at as far as, you know, creams and you mentioned concealers, cosmetics in general? You said a couple during the show. Let's yeah. rehash those and add to that list. Sure. Um, look, I, I I'm, would be happy to put a little thing on my Instagram with you know some of the brands that I think are good. I try and find brands that are cruelty, cruelty-free and don't use any animal products in them. So, for example, I love Kula, C-O-O-L-A. It's a sunscreen brand um, that has a range of different products for different skin tones. So they are available online. Um, I'm pretty sure it's an organic skin brand. So this is one organic brand that I love. Um, then Polar's Choice has a whole range of um, products on there. So I like them because it's like a one-stop shop. If you need anything, for example, if you've got really dry skin, you can get the 2% salicylic acid um, uh, wash that you can use, on, put on a little cotton pad and just wipe it off at the end of the night. So that can help reduce some of the scale you know, that you get on the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a good range of moisturizers and they have moisturizers for acne prone skin as well as non-acne prone skin. So I, I'd recommend them as a brand because it's just easy for me. To, it's like one-stop shop. Say that name again. Paula's Choice. P-A-U-L-A-S. Paula's, Paula's Choice. Choice. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Any Anything else you want to throw in there? Um, By the way, mm. uh, we, we should say uh, the old reporter in me thinks that this is important to mention. Uh, these are not paid endorsements. These are yeah. genuinely, she is a fan of these these places. Exactly. I mean, I try and use as much as I can because, you know, the, it, what's the point of telling your patients if you haven't used them yourself? So I do go around. Um, there's a brand that I really like if you've got if you don't have acne and you've got dry skin, so there's a facial moisturizer by Josie, Mor- Josie Moran. Um, so it's an argan oil that's whipped cream. I really like that. I love the. I mean, my mom and dad love this. So they always ask me to bring some from America. So <laughs> uh, so that's a really good brand as well for moisturizing. And using a cream over a lotion is preferred because lotion has more water content, whereas cream has equal amounts of oil and, more, and water content. So you're getting better hydrated. People have asked me before about um, oil on your skin. You can only put oil on your skin if your skin is damp, so straight after a shower, because you need oil in order, you need water and oil together for it to absorb into your skin. Ah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it stays on the surface and it doesn't do anything. So then, really important then after you wash your hands to add a little lotion after that too. Yeah, right? I hope you're doing that for I, my I advice. Have, like, it's if, looking if good. You notice, it is looking better. Like yeah. it's not there yet, but it is certainly doing. Oh, better. it's look. Your knuckles are looking amazing. I know. I, I know. am proud. I've been following your <laughs> tips. I want to be a walking testimonial for you, Dr. Sharma. Oh, I am so happy. <laughs> um, so here, here's the deal. Uh, I'm sure that, it, wow, we have gone almost a f- full hour. This is amazing. Um, so anyway, uh, you are just, uh, again, a wealth of information. And the skincare episode was one of our most listened to. And I'm sure that there will be even more follow-up. So 
You are going back to Australia here, mm-hmm. literally the day after we tape this. So the good news is there is a little invention called Skype, which mm-hmm. means that if you're open to it, I would Absolutely. love to keep bringing you back and, and keep this dialogue with the listeners oh, going. Me too. And I come here every year for a conference, so I will be around um, – and I've got my Instagram. I think that's the only way I communicate with um, everyone. So if you do have a question, please feel free. But please, please, please be um, patient with me because I'm, you know, it's going to be hectic for me the next few weeks um, going back and after two years. So and I go back in winter. So I don't. I don't oh, really right. like winter. That's right. You're <laughs> I'll not, be hibernating. Time change and season change. Oh my god! Yes. So rain and winter. I mean, it's never as cold as here, but it's cold. Yo. Yeah, might be like 30, 30 degrees. You know, coldest. But yeah. your head's going to be spinning. I know. That's a so. lot to take in. <laughs> So I'm enjoying I'm enjoying being here, you know, enjoying the sun. I do enjoy the sun with sunscreen on though. <laughs> right, right. All right. Well here's here's the score. Uh you are on Instagram at Doctor underscore vegan, one of the greatest Instagram handles of all time. <laughs> Again, how you secure that, I will never know, but you just hit the lottery with that one. I know. And it's D R, not D O C. This is a good distinction. Mm-hmm. This is a good distinction. D R yes. underscore vegan. That is the place to follow you. And you've got some wonderful pictures on there. And uh, It's all about eating. A lot. Well, yeah. yeah, you've done the food tour of the U.S., that is for sure. Um, but I, I want to learn about some uh, unique Australian cuisine. I don't know if there is any. I've never been. I think I should Oh, go. you have to come. So one of the most amazing things about Australia is that if there is no vegan option in the cafeteria or restaurant, most will accommodate and make you something. So it's incredible. Yes. Far out. Uh-huh. So we're very blessed that way. Um, and I can take you to the most incredible cuisine, like restaurants in Melbourne, which is where I live. Um, and our coffees are ex- exceptional. So if anyone's had uh, Australian coffee, you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, I think that there's a, a good chance that you, you will see me at some point. One, because I would love to take the show on the road. Two, uh, my wife has never been either and we both desperately want to go and you know see the outback and tour the cities and do the whole thing you know i've lived in the outback so i can definitely give you pointers yeah so i've lived pretty much all over australia so yeah we'll we'll just hire you to be the tour guide oh oh yeah my my dream job would have been to be a tour guide of eating vegan food all over the world or doing like a video segment you know Going around to each city and eating all the vegan food around. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. There is no shame in trying to wrap all of your passions into one little package. Yeah, you know? exactly. Somehow I earn a living talking about this and talking about sports. And yeah. you would think that we are like on two separate continents here as far as sports and plant-based diet and nutrition. Mm. But – that's how I make a living. So if you yeah. want to do that as a dermatologist talking <laughs> about plant-based nutrition and eating food, oh, gosh, like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> here's the easy way to do it. Here's the, you know, what? Yeah. I'm not even going to tell you on air because oh. somebody might steal it. Oh, yeah. But I have don't, a brilliant don't. idea. So okay. as soon as we wrap this up, I'm going to tell you what it is. Oh, I am so excited. Thanks, Chuck. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Niyati Sharma, again, on Instagram at dr underscore vegan. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you, Chuck. It was a pleasure. And thank you to all the listeners.
I'm sure that if you still have a question or two, Dr. Sharma would be more than happy to answer it for you. So tweet them to us at Chuck Carroll WLC or at PCRM using the hashtag exam room podcast. You can also send us a message on Instagram and we will do our best to have it answered on an upcoming episode. This segment of the exam room is brought to you by Treeline Tree Nut Cheese. Visit their new online store at treelinecheese.com to pick up a specially curated variety pack of cheeses or stock up on your single favorite flavor. Flavors like premium New York-style cashew cream cheese, which is perfect for a bagel. Or you could go with their soft French-style varieties like herb garlic, scallion, or green peppercorn. Or try their aged artisanal cheeses, which come in classic and cracked pepper flavors. All tree-line tree nut cheeses are naturally fermented and don't rely on added oil. And in keeping with their commitment to sustainability, all shipping materials are recyclable or compostable. Plus, a portion of Treeline's proceeds go directly to benefit nonprofits, including the Physicians Committee. Packs of four cheeses are available now with six packs soon to follow. Visit treelinecheese.com for more information and to place your order. At the top of the show, I mentioned that this has been an exceptional week for vegan athletes. Novak Djokovic wins his fifth Wimbledon title in an epic fifth set tiebreaker. Lewis Hamilton continued to dominate the Formula One series by winning the British Grand Prix. And Alex Morgan wins the ESPY Award for Best Female Athlete after helping to guide the U.S. women's national soccer team to victory at the World Cup. So what is the secret to all of their success? Is it the plant-based diet that's making the difference? Well, it very well could be, as you're about to hear, when we revisit an interview I did with Dr. Jim Loomis and nutritionist Susan Levin from the Barnard Medical Center, who have studied this extensively. I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll, joined today by co-authors of a groundbreaking new study examining the effect of a plant-based diet on athletes. And with that, we welcome Dr. James Loomis. He's the medical director of the Barnard Medical Center, as well as board-certified nutritionist, dietitian, just somebody that knows a whole heck of a lot about sports, athletes, performance, and the Lakewood Nutrition, my personal friend, Susan Levin. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank Thank you. you. Happy to be here. Let's talk about this study at first. And, uh, you know, I know you've both also been on my podcast, The Exam Room, where we've spoken about this previously, but now you guys have really gone a little bit more in depth on everything. And I'm curious, we think about an athlete, correct me if I'm wrong with this perception, in shape, top of their game, fit as a fiddle, healthy as an ox, whatever you know euphemism you want to use. But what we're finding is, even if you are a really quote-unquote healthy athlete, you're still at risk for heart disease. Dr. Loomis, am I off base on that? No, that's, that's correct, Chuck. Um, you know, it's interesting that you know, cardiovascular disease is the number one killer uh, in the Western world. And you have to remember, too, that many athletes, you know, decide to start engaging in athletics even as they get older you decide you want to run your first marathon or your first half marathon so you might be 30 40 years old um when you start and in those and and there's you know the 
even though they're not professionals, they're still athletes. And in fact, everyone is an athlete in, in their own way. You know, if you, if you, well, you know, if you c- carry laundry up from the basement, you're being athletic. If you give your kids, yeah, if you give your kids a piggyback ride, you're being athletic. So, and 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 the risk for cardiovascular disease starts at a very young age. We know from autopsy studies that even you know kids in their ten, twelve, you know, ten, twelve years old teenagers already show are starting to show the very early signs of atherosclerosis, um, you know, the beginnings of atherosclerosis. So it, it really is a fairly ubiquitous disease in, in the United States. And, um, and, but, but on the other hand, we know that, that regular physical activity markedly reduces your risk for dying from heart disease over the long run. Interesting. And, and Susan, I want to ask you, not just from your position as a co-author on this paper, but as a parent, you, you have a young child at home. You just heard Dr. Loomis refer to children as young as 10 starting to show signs. Your child, I'm assuming, you know, is, is going to get athletic and, and do sports at, at some point. You hear something like that, and that's, that's got to be alarming for you. Well, it is, and we've even had um, guests at our conference talk about how looking at the arterial plaque of fetuses, which is, talk about mind-boggling, <laughs> that you're, you're so responsible for the health of that child's heart from from the get-go and yeah you've got to make sure there is no pass there is no pass for a a young person's metabolism right which is what people think um you can kind of eat whatever you want as long as you look slim and it it goes into adulthood too talking about athletes who run marathons but their arteries can be clogged and you don't even know it because you look at them and you think um they're in perfect health well you don't know what that person eats and you don't know what's going on inside right so we hear a lot about well if i'm an athlete i need protein and that of course means you know let's let's just get the healthy meat you know the the chicken breast detrimental to athlete well what's interesting about health in general you know chronic disease and, and health and heart disease it, it the at the core of all of these most of these chronic diseases everything from heart disease diabetes cancer at the core lies inflammation and the western diet is highly inflammatory and even when we eat things we perceive are healthy low-fat milk or or lean chicken or you know low-fat beef or whatever those things are still highly inflammatory and and and, and it's this inflammation that's created that um, it, it really puts us at risk for heart, not only heart disease, but many other chronic diseases. And, and it's also interesting that, that exercise, intense exercise, and I'm talking about marathon and beyond, is also highly inflammatory because it creates a lot of oxidative stress. We, we burn oxygen for fuel, and one of the byproducts of that are oxygen-free radicals. And, and those oxygen-free radicals uh, can, can interact with our blood vessel walls and create endothelial dysfunction. They oxidize the, the, the LDL or bad cholesterol particles, uh, which increase our risk for, for, for atherosclerosis. And that um, uh, people on the other or the extreme end of, of exercise may have as much heart disease risk as someone who leads a sedentary lifestyle. And, that, and again, a lot of that, we can offset that oxidative stress by the food that we eat. Uh, and the only source of antioxidants are plants. Um, Susan, let me ask you, I, I guess, the, the, your, your opinion based off of these findings. You just heard Dr. Loomis say something that I found was rather groundbreaking, is that you know, these extreme athletes have the same risk as somebody who's sedentary. But what if that extreme athlete wasn't eating those inflammatory foods? Would that lower the risk? Absolutely. So just like everybody else, you want to be eating 
um, as healthfully as possible and certainly eating lots of plants. And, you know, the impetus for this paper, I think, was how popular vegan diets are with professional athletes. So people who maybe they came to that because they care about the environment or compassionate about animals, but I'm guessing the majority of the 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 line on the Tennessee Titans NFL team are actually more concerned about their performance. So they know when they eat plants and avoid animal products that they are going to be combating the inflammation that we all face and maybe even more so as as an kind of an endurance athlete, but yeah, there are, there are performance reasons for eating this way, and it does help to be eating an anti-inflammatory diet and avoiding all those pro-inflammatory foods. Now, Dr. Loomis, in your career, you've had the opportunity to work with scores of professional athletes. You were the team internist, I believe, for the St. Louis Rams yes. before they moved to Los Angeles, as well as the baseball team, the Cardinals there. Give me an idea of how the players were, stay specific to football here, week 15, 16, late in the season, how were their bodies holding up at that point? Uh, they were sore. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, the football is a very uh, taxing on the body for, for a variety of reasons, not only the physical effort, but the physical contact. And um, now I was taking care of the team before I went plant-based. Sure. And, you know, I can tell you that, that the perceived proper nutrition you would go you know we would go on an away game and the games were at noon and we would have a breakfast spread and you know it would be steak and chicken breast and pasta those are the three you know because you got to get your protein Protein. and your carbs and um um and and then you know you fast forward and, and you i had the opportunity to to meet some of the tennessee titan players through the the upcoming documentary the game changers which which i'm um, proud to be in and you talk to them and you know the thing they noticed the most was their ability to recover uh week after week after week and 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 and, and in fact it's interesting when when, when derek morgan first went plant-based you know he had teammates that literally almost made fun of him mm-hmm. And pretty soon they notice he's having the best season of his career. He's not in the training room every week. You know, he's, he's, he's recovering faster. And pretty soon they're coming up to him, you know, on the sly and saying, hey, now tell me again what you're doing. Because it, it does work. And when you talk to professional athletes, no matter what the sport, Olympic cyclists, Olympic weightlifters, professional boxers, long-distance runners like Scott Jurek, every single one of them says that, that the performance aspect, the recovery the ability to show up the next day and the next day and the next day and perform at a high level and recover from that stress every day is by far the the biggest change they've noticed. I, I remember Brendan Brazier, who does um, Iron yeah, Iron Man, yeah. um, triathlete professional, saying this is years ago, uh, saying um, I can train seven days a week, whereas my competitors train six because they have to take that day of rest to recover i don't have to do that because my diet kind of does that for me and that's why i have that competitive edge one extra day a week over the course of year a year years makes you a better athlete and i mean i can speak to that personally um i'm celebrating my 60th birthday by trying to kill myself in july happy birthday i've um i'm training for my first full ironman triathlon and, and I can tell you that, that my training today is more intense and my recovery is better than it was when I was running marathons in med school 35 years ago. Wow. And, and it's pretty 
amazing, really. That jibes with the story that uh, I tell quite frequently on the podcast. Is last year I got the opportunity to interview a player uh, who was still in Washington at the time uh, by the name of DJ Swearinger, mm-hmm. plant-based. Um, and he, this was week 16 in the season, only two games left. And you take a look around the, the locker room, and you were just talking about the bodies are sore. I mean, these guys were like zombies. If you've ever seen The Walking Dead, that's kind of what this locker room at the end of the year, it, it reminds you of. And here's DJ Swearinger. I mean, skipping around, fresh as a daisy. And he attributes so much of that to his diet. You know, and, and the team went so far as to install a, a smoothie station with everything that he, you know, wanted there. You know, your kale, your mango, and, and things like that. Uh, and also had a, a wonderful chef there that cooked plant-based for him. But anyway, Susan, my question to you is this. Is this rapid recovery time, is it more based off of the fact that the athlete is not eating meat or is it that these plant-based foods are actually inhibiting that inflammation i mean i i see it as both i don't i can't imagine that you could do one without the other um you for the reasons we started with you, you are experiencing all this stress the oxidation and you so you need these antioxidants and and the inflammation you need those anti-inflammatory foods to support um your routine and if you don't have yes the absence is key but but you but it's it's a it's yin yang you got to have both so so the way i think about this you know exercise in and of itself is an inflammatory condition okay Mm -hmm. so imagine when we eat an inflammatory diet right we have this low-grade fire burning in our bodies all the time and then we go exercise we're putting gas on the fire right right Right? when we eat an anti-inflammatory diet a plant-based diet you, you, you've already got some water there. And so when you try to light the fire, it, it, you can't, right? Because you've already got the water there to put the fire out. And so I, I think that's the, kind of the best way to understand it. So you've got the, 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 and the difference between the low-grade fire from the inflammatory foods like meat and the water, which is the anti-inflammatory foods from plants. And that's a fairly simplistic way, but I think that's, I think that's, that's the way I visualize what's happening. Um, in our bodies um, when we think about exercise and the relationship it has to diet. I want to ask you, another big takeaway from this paper is the increased blood flow, the boosted blood flow, I believe is is how it's uh, been termed. Uh, Just a lay question here for you, Dr. Loomis. That is important to an athlete because why? Well, because our our muscles burn, we need oxygen to to burn uh, to make our muscles work. That oxygen comes from our blood, from our red blood cells specifically. So the more oxygen, the more blood we can deliver to our working muscles, the more oxygen we can extract and the higher our performance. And and so a, a couple things that, that happen when you move toward a plant-based diet. So one, the actual viscosity or the thickness of the blood uh, is less, so the blood flows more easily. And probably just as important is the endothelial, uh, the endothelium, which is the lining of the heart and controls the blood vessel dilating and constricting appropriately, uh, becomes much more reactive, especially under under the influence of foods that are high in nitric oxide and foods like beets and kale and things like that. And it's been shown, there's clinical studies that have shown that for endurance athletes, if you ingest beets for beet extract, for example, before you exercise, uh, you can see up to a 10% improvement in, in endurance performance. And it's probably related to the increased blood flow 
through an improvement in endothelial function that the beets and the, 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 um, the nitric oxide um, 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 causes. Susan, do you know of any other food that can match? I mean, that 10%, that's, that's a big boost from beets. Well, what other foods would you be recommending? Well, I think anything that has kind of that dark color, like cherries, um, would have the same kind of effect. And I'm, I'm sure they would just need the the other fruit lobbyists to do more tests to see what, what their foods do. But I do think that, that that conversation about viscosity is so relevant to even people who don't exercise because they've done – studies over and over and over again feeding people things like here eat this drink this milkshake and eat this mcmuffin and let's see what happens and the your body's reaction to that immediately and for hours on um following eating that kind of food it just gets thicker and thicker and thicker and all your lab values start to go horribly wrong and that's one meal and you're talking about an american diet where we eat like that constantly at least three meals a day plus snacks our blood viscosity just constantly being um thickened and and i just kind of picture that as manifesting in these very lethargic people and of course you are like your blood can't even move because of your diet and it's not that study with that one high fat meal look what it does and people like oh no it's like we have one high fat life here that's how we're we're operating all the time there's a great scene in the game changers where they take so griff whalen who's an nfl wide receiver is plant-based and so they take him and two of his teammates and they feed him um burritos and griff has a plant-based burrito and his teammates have you know beef or chicken burritos and they draw their blood and then they feed them all plant-based burritos and when they show the players the blood the the two that ate the 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 meat-based burritos their blood was literally milky cloudy from the fat. And so imagine, you know, that sludgy blood trying to get through your blood vessels. Griff's blood was clear. On the repeat blood work, after they all three had a plant-based burrito, all three of their blood was clear, right? So there was, I mean, the, the, the visual representation to actually see that fat cell suspended in the blood was pretty eye-opening to those players um, um, so yeah it, it is important as Susan said we live in this I mean we, we bathe ourselves in this unhealthy food which which not only creates inflammation but but uh, uh, you know increases the viscosity of our blood and raises our triglyceride levels you know mm-hmm. things like that yeah well let me throw you a, a bit of a curveball you know let's would that blood appear similar that that dark and cloudy nature would there still be that viscosity say if that uh that fat was coming from a plant-based source like avocado high in fat is there any parallel there between fat from a meat or dairy source versus one that's plant-based i i would imagine if you ate enough avocados but if i recall from the scene there was avocados on the plant-based on the plant-based uh, burritos. So, uh, not, you know, obviously you do have to be careful with the overconsumption of oils. There has been some evidence that even olive oil in small doses will transiently cause endothelial dysfunction. Um, so, so there are, you know, being vegan or, or plant-based, still trying to focus primarily on unprocessed foods. So in trying to avoid the edible, highly processed edible oils, highly processed sugars, highly processed grains, which are all plant-based. But, but also can play a role, you know, have to have an adverse effect on, you know, not only uh, viscosity, but also inflammation, especially with sugar. 
Susan, we've talked about a lot about football here with Derek Morgan and the Tennessee Titans. That, that's just an incredible story. By the way, off topic, his wife kind of parlayed that. She's a phenomenal chef, yeah. and now she's doing you know plant-based cooking for I think a dozen or so of his teammates. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's such she's, an incredible. She's the story. real hero, right? Yeah, Chef Charity Morgan. Look her up. I mean, just just a, a wonderful uh, woman. But. Um, I wanted to ask you this, Susan, before we wrap up. So we've talked a lot about ultra-endurance. We've talked about football. You've really had a chance to look at athletes from all sports. And I'm wondering, like, is there one sport in particular where an athlete would really see a benefit? Or is this, like, really across the board, you know, plant-based diet is, is really going to be in their best interest? Considering it's in the best interest of someone who doesn't do anything and just sits on the couch, uh, yeah, across the board, it, it, it is beneficial. But I think t- to Dr. Loomis's point of the the pro-inflammatory nature of really ultra-endurance exercise, those people who are um, – doing something that feels really great and and seems like oh this should this should combat perhaps even a bad diet or it doesn't um but it actually could be dangerous if you're not eating well i think they probably would see the most benefit or or hopefully not see the adverse effects of of not eating well and of doing um, ultra sports but um but again i i always you know, most Americans don't do this stuff. Uh, they go to the gym three days a week, and they, you know, they they too need to eat well. So I just try to underscore that. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with that. And in fact, I think the ultra endurance community is the one that's most been has embraced plant based nutrition most. Uh, it's it's a very easy sell. And and you know, when you got guys like Scott Jurek, or I, I had the pleasure of meeting Abby Mitchell, who's an up and coming ultra endurance athlete in Boulder. And I mean, on the list with Brendan Brazier, I mean, the mm-hmm. list goes on and on. Rich Roll, I mean, these guys that have uh, the, the, the it, because it does lend itself not only performance, because you know, in, in those long races, we use carbohydrates, for example, for, for fuel, primarily glycogen. And the, 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 the nature of a plant based diet is about 75 to 80 percent unprocessed carbohydrates. So, you, you know, your gas, you, it ensures that your gas tank is full all the time. Right. Um, and then the recovery piece. So, I, I think I would agree the ultra endurance folks um, probably benefit not only from a performance uh, aspects, but also uh, the, the risk aversion, if you will, uh, because of the, oxida- the oxidative stress they create with these very long bouts of physical activity. Final question for you both, um, as Susan, we will start with you, is with this paper, with the study, what is your big takeaway? We've talked a lot about inflammation today, but if there's one key piece that you want people to take away from this, what would it be? Gosh, I guess because, um, you know, I, I see patients in the clinic and talk about diet all the time, and I know that half of us, half of all adults, are going to succumb to heart disease. Um I'm I'm always struck by the benefit of eating a plant-based diet for heart health, and there were so many components of this that led to that. Whether it was um, you know the arterial integrity, or if it was blood flow, um, or just getting the plaques out of your arteries, all those benefits for your heart. They're so important to to the non-athlete as well. To me, that's the takeaway is is how important it is for your heart. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree. I, I think what's interesting is if you if you think about the reasons that people come to plant based nutrition or vegan diets, you know, historically, initially, it was a lot of for a lot of ethical reasons, and as the body of research built, uh, now more and more people come through it for health reasons and then for the environment. But but raising awareness that there's a fourth way into plant based nutrition through performance um, is real. And, and I think, especially for younger, you know, athletes who may be put, you know, may still be bathed in this bro science around mm-hmm. protein and meat, uh, I think sh- showing, you know, giving them the, the scientific kind of backing or permission to an understanding of, of, of how uh, a plant-based diet can improve their performance over the long run, you know, what else does it do? Well, it's, it's ethical for the animals. It keeps them from getting heart disease and it's good for the environment. So so I, I think my takeaway is it's really about, about opening up another door avenue for people to come to plant-based nutrition um, that, that, that transcends the traditional ways that we think about it. Again, you know, climate or environment and ethics and, and health, that, that performance is another pillar. Um, um, and, and, again, the ankle bone is connected to the knee bone, right? So the, the, the great, beautiful thing about it is not only do you perform better, but you're healthier and you make the world a better place to live it. That is such a great point. I hadn't thought of that. That's... I can't think of a better way to really end this interview. I I, that's fantastic. I'm so inspired. I, I know, right? Like, I'm ready to go change the world. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dr. James Loomis, Susan Levin, both from the Barnard Medical Center, congratulations on this paper, and I really appreciate you taking the time today. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. If you haven't already done so, please go ahead and subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcast and wherever it is that you download your favorite shows. We've got new topics and new information, new inspiration each and every week. And when you do subscribe, be sure also to leave a five-star rating and a nice comment and then pass the show along to a friend as well. And that's going to do it for us this week. My thanks again to Dr. Niyati Sharma for her time and for responding to so many of you. She's absolutely fantastic. And really, so are you. So are you for bombarding us with all of those questions. You made today's show super easy and a lot of fun. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And also a big thank you to Dr. Jim Loomis and Susan Levin. For everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, keep it plant-based.